young, uh, all you young, fine people here. Welcome to those of you who are online. Welcome to everybody in the room. We're starting in a slightly different order this morning because we have some cool, exciting things that we want to do and we want to introduce our guests. So let me get started this way. I'm going to get started by reminding you of the season that we're in. If you can see online, there's an Advent wreath here. And what we're celebrating is the coming as we await the coming of the Messiah. And here's what happens when the Messiah breaks into your life. You become a person, if you have a real relationship with the Messiah, you become a person who gets transformed in your life. And that's what we're about. Real relationships with each other so that we become transformed as we relate with authenticity to each other and to God. And what's in front of us here is a symbol. And I'm inviting you to attach yourself to this symbol as we think together today about what it means to be Advent people. People who expect Jesus, who's already come once, to come back again and make you and me over into brand new people and this big family into a family of loving people. So the first, oh, they're all, this first candle we lit last week, it was about hope. The second candle this morning is about peace. Who doesn't want hope and peace in your life? And it only comes from outside of us. It comes from the Messiah who is breaking into your world, our lives, our families, our businesses right now. And that's what we're celebrating this morning. If you are new to us, We'd love to know who you are, so we have this thing we call a connect card. They're back there physically on the table. You can scan the QR code. They're out here where the children check in. They're out under the tent. It's a way for us to do what? Connect you. We'd love to know you're here if you'd like to be known, and so let us know, and we'll get you connected up. Another thing I want to make sure you know is we will not be having Christmas Eve worship here in this building. No groans, no nothing. I'm getting no feedback. Because we will be having Christmas Eve worship at the Palmacia Golf and Club, Golf and Country Club in their ballroom. We can get about 600 people in there. That's about what's going to happen. It'll be awesome. So 4 o'clock, December 24th, Palmacia Golf and Country Club in their ballroom. That's where Christmas Eve is going to happen. And that leads me to my next thing, which is the city of Tampa has told us to build it. We're ready to go. Next Next year, Lord willing, and a crick don't rise, we will not be having Christmas Eve worship service at the Palmacia Golf and Club. We will not be having it at H.B. Plant High School. We'll be having it right over here. So you're going to ask me 9 million questions. I have the answers to none of them. Soon is when they're going to start building stuff over here. That's my answer. It takes them about 10 days or so to start doing stuff. That's when they're going to do it. When the Stuff will be changing quickly, and we just don't have the answers to any of your other questions yet. But that's coming very soon. Huh? How about that? Up. I had to look at my notes, as you know because as many of you think I have ADD. So here's what also I want you to notice behind me. What you have behind you, what I have behind me are two unbelievably gifted artists who are here to help us worship this morning. You know Tom Ewing, he's been with us for 10 or 15 years, just helped us out. Here's the other thing Tom has brought with him. This man, Dave Beagle, B-W-E-G-L-E, lives about 20, 25 minutes away from Tom out in the north of Denver. He is a... Oh, you're in for a treat. 
you are really in for a treat. The man can play this guitar. Oh, can he play it? And when I tell you after communion, don't leave because you're going to hear J.S. Bach, Yesu, Joy of Man's Desiring, played on that guitar. It's going to rock your world. So do not leave until they finish. All of that, I think, is all I need to do right now, except I'm going to pray. You ready? Gracious God, this morning we have communion, we have a baptism, we have phenomenal music, we have your presence, we have Advent. You have come. We want to be authentic and transparent in our connection with you and with each other. Next thing we know, we look up, our lives change dramatically. Be with us now in these next minutes as we give everything we have to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Take them away, Tom and Dave and all this band all right, up let's here. let's stand together. It's Christmas time in the city. Here we go. Lord, we praise you in this place today. privilege as you sit down in your seats 
We have the privilege of celebrating baptism this morning from one of our families. Chris and Kristen Boylan are going to bring to us this morning their twin little girls, Brinley and Grayson. And guess what? Today is their one-year birthday. So we get to celebrate what God has done, not only in their birth, but the fact that they belong to Jesus who treasures them so much. And I also want to welcome all the family members of the Boylan family, especially the grandparents, Monty and Kevin Boylan and Nancy and Joe Pezosa, and of course the godparents, Tyler and Brittany McRae, who are Brinley's godparents, and then um, Jacob and Ashley Egan, welcome, who are Grayson's godparents. We are so glad that you're here. So let me invite you to think about the meaning of baptism and connect it back to Advent. What happens is that God does all the first moves. God took every first move. God loved first. God went first. God is first. And you and I respond, even in Advent, as we await his coming. But our response is to surrender completely. And you can surrender your life again, or maybe for the first time, to Jesus, even as these parents commit these two little girls into Jesus' advent, breaking into the world, loving care. These two little one-year-olds can't make this decision for themselves, and so you are effectively godparents. You're not spectators of this event. You are participants. We are participants in our own faith and in helping these two little girls come to the place in their life where they say, I want to follow Jesus. And that's how, that's how the Boylans are going to raise them. That's how their family wants them to be raised. But we do it together as a family. So as they come up now with these yes. two little beautiful little girls, one of which I get to hold in just a second, we, we are committing ourselves to being a family of faith that helps all of us grow in our commitment to, and surrender to Jesus, but also helps these two little ones do it. Yes. So, Kristen and Chris, as you bring Brinley and Grayson for baptism this morning, do you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior? If so, say we do. And will you promise to teach them about Jesus and read scripture to them and the stories of Jesus, even when he was a child and growing up? And will you pray for them and with them and teach them what it means to belong to him? If so, say, we will with God's help. And now I want to ask all of you a similar question. As Fitz said, you are like godparents to these little girls. Even though they do have godparents, they need all of us, the body of Christ. So will you also come alongside the Boylan family in the Christian nurture of these little girls so that one day they will be able to say that Jesus is their Lord and Savior? If so, say we will. So I'm going to take Brindley, but I can't tell the difference. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling. Thank you. Nice try. Sweet I like girl. that head bob. All right. Little Miss Brindley, let's go over here. Okay. You want to come right here? There we go. Would you all like to come forward as godparents? Why don't you stand next to Fitz over here? Because folks online want to be able to see these little girls, too. Just cram them in here. We got room. We're good. Brinley Pezosa Boylan, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the final. It's cold. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
what, look what I found. <laughs> Grayson Charlotte Boylan, daughter of the covenant. I'm going to do it on your cheek if you won't let me do it on here. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son <laughs> and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's run them down the aisle. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Look what God has done. And may the blessing and the mystery of their baptism sink into our lives and our hearts as well. Fitz isn't even paying attention, not one bit. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen is right. Here we go. So precious. Thank you. Congratulations. Oh, sorry. Sorry. So excited. Love you guys. So much. Congratulations. For folks coming in, there are seats right up front. <laughs> Super uncomfortable, but it's all good. Yeah. Come right on up. Right on up. We love it. I don't know about you, but I never, ever want the Christmas story to become something that I'm so familiar with. This is hilarious. I'm sorry. What'd you say? I, this is hilarious. I don't ever want the Christmas story to become so familiar that I miss the miracle and the wonder of the greatest story ever told. And this morning, our hearts are going to be drawn to the wise men, not so much the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh that they brought to Jesus but instead the attitude they brought to Jesus when they presented their gifts. And in Matthew, Matthew tells us this. When the wise men went into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they knelt down or fell down, some translations say, and worshiped Jesus. They took out their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh and gave them to him. The wise men gave what was precious to, to Jesus. The wise men gave something that was dear to them. They gave their treasured possessions. What treasure is God asking you to give him this Christmas? What treasure is he inviting you to bring to him? Because not only did the wise men bring their gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but they gave themselves to Jesus. So this morning, as we give back to God using one of the six platforms that we have for you to give, I want you to look deep in your heart and ask yourself, in addition to my financial gifts, bringing them to God, am I also bowing down to my Savior Jesus and giving myself fully to him? Amen. And God bless you. All right, let's stand together. I think Adam taught you all a song uh, 
We got some weird sounds going on up here. You guys cool? All right. Uh, Adam taught you guys a song last week called Christmas Day that's going to be kind of run through the Christmas season here. And uh, so let's uh, worship God together with that.
Thank you, Lord. Light of the world, the reason for Christmas Day. Lord, we thank you that your presence is with us today in this place and that you're here, Lord God, to bring that light into our lives. And so as we worship you, we just open our hearts to you. As Kathy said, Lord, we thank you for the grace and mercy you've given us. And in our worship of you, we desire, Lord, to give ourselves to you. And so we just say that we love you and we are so grateful for your love for us today. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, so I will sing of the goodness of God. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, yes, I will sing of the goodness of God. Don't my life you have been faithful. Don't my life you have been so, so
the goodness of God. So I will sing of the goodness of God. Thank you, Lord God. Again, we just thank you for your goodness towards us. Your word says, God, that it's by your goodness that turns our heart. It's your goodness that causes us to repent, which just means to turn to you. So we pray, God, as we have time in your word today and more time in worship before you, Lord, that our hearts would be overwhelmed with your kindness, your mercy, your goodness, so that we would turn to you to receive everything, God, you have for us and be all that you have called us to be in this world. And we give you thanks, we give you praise, and we give you permission to mess with our lives today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You can have a seat. just happened I don't know again my name is Tom and uh, super blessed to be here with you guys we've had history with uh, visiting First Press and being friends of Fitz and Kathy for a long time and encouraging each other in the Lord along the way in our different seasons and so we're really blessed to be here uh, unfortunately my wife Suzanne did not come I know she's like the main attraction whenever we come to town uh, she's back home doing grand uh, kid things so congratulations grandparents on the new uh, Baby's not so new. One year? Yeah, that's awesome. And this is my friend Dave. As Fitz said, uh, he's uh, from Colorado, lives up in Colorado, and we do a lot of worship stuff, music stuff together. Have over the years, most importantly, we're just really great friends in Jesus and pretty committed to spurring one another on in the things of God and stuff. And so um, we wanted to share a song with you uh, before we get into the message, which I'm going to be bringing today. And, uh, a few years ago, um, I was just kind of going through some feeling of needing more of God in my life, and, and it was more along the lines of, I don't need stuff, I don't need you to fix all my problems, I need you to help me live out the truth that I know to be true in my life, you know? We know what the Bible says, we know what we should do, but like Paul said in, in Romans 7, he's like, the very thing that I want to do, I don't do. The very thing I don't want to do, I do. Oh, what a wretched man that I am, but thanks be to God. And then it goes into Romans where, you know, it talks about, hey, there's no condemnation in Jesus. He's here to help us out if we'll keep our eyes fixed on him and, uh, and all that. But this little song is just kind of about a need uh, for God in order to follow his truth and to be filled with his love in a way that I represent him well in the earth. We need a lot of that today, don't we? I think that's one of the big uh, things for the church right now for us people that claim the name of Jesus is that we would act like Jesus before we start telling people what to do and uh, so this song is um, kind of about that so let's give it a shot
Thank you, Dave. All right, turn around and just uh, tell your neighbor something that no one knows about your life, and then uh, I'll, I'll be with you in one minute. Just say hi to someone around you, maybe. Maybe let's just do that.
Okay. One, two, check. Oh, right. Okay, guys, that's it now. Stop with the deep, dark secrets. <laughs> There's no stopping them once you get them going. Okay, so uh, we're in a series called Dreamers. Is that right, McLean? Dreamers. And uh, today, uh, Fitz and Kathy and McLean and the rest of the gang gave me permission to skip ahead one in the normal series to talk about the wise men. And actually, Kathy preached my sermon, so maybe we'll just do more music today. Um, we'll, we'll do some more music in a minute. But it's, a, but it's great. It's a great story. And so kind of um, in preparation, I thought it would be cool to find a good wise men joke. So I Googled cool wise men jokes. And there really are none out there. But this is the best one I could find, okay? So there was the three wise men. They show up. They're seeking Jesus. They see the star. They follow the star. They go in, you know. And uh, uh, the first wise man shows up. He goes, hey, we're the wise men. We're here to, like, give you guys some presents and stuff. And I have some gold. And Joseph's like, sweet, gold? Bring it in, you know. So he brings it in, and then it starts going downhill from there. The next guy says, and I have some frankincense. And he's like, perfume? Cologne. Let's call it cologne. It's a boy, you know. And so by, by then he's getting annoyed, and he's, he's, he doesn't see any more gold back there. So he, Joe says, well, thanks, guys. You know, we'll see you later. And the third wise man stepped up and said, oh, wait, there's more. Mur, more, mur, more. That's it. That was the best one. I'm, I'm like, seriously? That's the best Google can do is give me that joke. Okay. So anyway, um, let's uh, pray again, and then we'll get into the word. Lord, we love you, and we bless you, and we thank you, Lord, that there's joy in the house of the Lord. When we come together, Lord God, uh, when we're aligned with you, uh, your word says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And we thank you. We, we sense that in this place today because we know you're here and our hearts are here to put our eyes on the righteous one. So we ask you that our hearts would be open. Help us to receive the things that you desire to speak to each one of us individually. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's uh, look at Matthew 2. This is a story of the wise men coming to check Jesus out. Um, we have it up there, okay. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard of this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem was with, uh, with him. They were like, Who are these guys? And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, Herod, inquired of them, where is the Christ supposed to be born? And they told him, this is his advisors the, uh, and uh, priests and so on around Herod. Um, they said, uh, it is written in Bethlehem of, uh, of Judea, and you, O brethren, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers. Today we're talking about the wise men were seeking a ruler. Um the least among rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly. He hadn't even talked to these guys yet. He just heard rumors that they were in town kind of causing trouble and, you know. 
and ascertain from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star this is a, uh, that they had seen, when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with, his, with Mary, his mother. And this is the scripture Kathy read for us earlier. And they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and wait, there's myrrh. <laughs> and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, I want to hop into the idea of what worship is, but just real quick, just to frame this a little bit as to what the deal was with the wise men. We don't know a whole lot about these guys, um, but here are some conclusions I've kind of come up with in my own brain and just looking at historical things and stuff. Number one, they were educated, scientific. Many people believe they were mystics and explorers. Uh, they were probably the real smart guys in the club, in, in their community. And they, they were also looking beyond themselves uh, in, into the universe and looking at the stars and stuff like that. Uh, they also knew something about Jewish history because they came in with an understanding that there was prophesied there was going to be a king of the Jews that would be born. And, uh, and they also knew something about Jewish history. These guys although right now they're not very powerful. They don't have much influence in the world. In fact, they're, you know, under the dominance of another system. <coughs> but there were times when they were the world's power. They were the ones that everyone looked to back in the day. Think of David and Solomon, you know, the wisest guy in the world. And all the, the leaders and kings and queens would come to Solomon and say, tell us about this wisdom. How? And so Israel had a prominent place in history in the minds of educated people in the world of that day. And they knew about Israel that some really cool, unusual things happened with this group of people, like miraculous stuff, like the supernatural. And so that's in their minds, I believe. They knew the prophecy concerning the future king. They had understanding of the laws and rules of nature and the stars. So I, I think these guys were guys that kind of understood there's an order to all this. And when the star shows up, that was out of the ordinary, right? And they're like, oh, and it looks like it's leading them towards Jerusalem or towards Israel. And they're like, oh, maybe this has to do with that king of the Jews thing. So they start in pursuit. And think about how much time and resource they put behind this pursuit. I mean, these guys, like, put a bunch of money into this. We're going to go on a big expedition, and we're going to go check this thing out. So um, they followed their curiosity at great time and great expense to seek out this mystery and ruler and the ruler behind it, the king of the Jews, and perhaps the ruler of all nature, because nature was altered. And I love that. One of my favorite songs growing up in the Presbyterian church, my dad was a Presbyterian pastor, was Fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature. Nature or nations? Okay, both. Yeah. Eventually, right. 
both. Yeah, I really know the song well. Um, okay, let's go back to just uh, Matthew 2.11 again and just look at that. This is one Kathy highlighted for us. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. After this long journey to find this king who was a little baby, they were convinced enough to worship. Their response was to worship, not to question Joseph. So tell me about all this. You know, they just fell on their faces and worshiped. And out of that worship response was a giving heart to offer things to God. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. So a question for you, and you guys can help me out here. What is worship in your mind? When you hear the word worship, what things come to mind? Just shout them out. Surrender. Okay? I mean, there's a lot of things. I'm not going to call you out if you're wrong. No. What are some other things you think about when you think about worship? What was that? Praise. Okay. Yep. Music. Gratitude. What you value. Obedience. Okay. Submission. Yeah. So lots of things come to mind. Biblical definitions of worship include pretty much everything we've heard. To adore on bended knee. Now the, the wise men fell down. And they the, the word worship means to either kneel in, a, in, in, in reverence to and in submission to um, and, or to lay clear down on your face and even kiss the ground or the feet of the one that you're worshiping. So complete surrender, even physically, to show what was going on in their hearts. Um, to bless and to honor, to show respect, submission to a superior, to ascribe worth unto something or someone. And the English word, and then, of course, we see music and stuff like that tied to worship in the Bible, worship God with, and praise God with in instruments and all these things. But the very essence of worship has nothing to do with music. And a lot of churches or people in church world or Christians think, when they think of worship, they think, oh, worship songs. Oh, I love that song. I love it when we sing. And I do, too. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a singer. But I love worship even more. If I want to add my guitar and put a melody to it, I will. But my worship is something much more deeper than that. And like you said, uh, it's, it's to value something. The, the old English word that was translated from the, the uh, original text into English was uh, worth sheep or shipe or something like that. means to commend value on something. And when we do that, we, we think about our own lives. Now, how would I even monitor or gauge or track my worship of something? Well, there's three quick ways, and I'll just give them to you. These aren't all inclusive, but they kind of cover the general things. Time, talent, and treasure. So how do I spend my time, my talent, and my treasure? The things that I value in life, and, it, and it's not just God. Will, will be evident by how I spend my time, talent, and treasure. Okay? So I value my wife. So if you look into my daytimer, you'll see dates built in. You'll see, remember that she said she wanted this for Christmas, you know? 
So I'm taking notice of things like that, building in time. Um, I also uh, value college football, okay? Good or bad. And uh, so I built in some time uh, to watch a little college football yesterday. So my, my time, my day timer will tell me the things that I value. So basically, everybody in this room, you're a worshiper of something or some things or some ones. And we're all that way. So when we, when we look at our time and where we're placing our time, that actually shows us what we're worshiping in our life. Okay? And then our time, our talent, are our gifts and our abilities and the things we have uh, that, that we are able to do. So we look at that, too, and say, how am I investing those elements of my life into my schedule and into my world? And that, again, is an indicator of the things that I worship. So if we were all to have the time to take personal inventory and write down a list, you know, what are the things that are most important to me? Um, you might go, oh, I can't even think. Well, just look in your day timer or your little calendar app. Look at the things that you're giving your energy to. And then as Kathy was kind of leaning into on the giving piece, look at the ways that you are distributing your treasure. The thing, the resources that God has given you, how are you offering those in your life? Are those offerings uh, heavy on your own personal side? Yeah. Um, many times. And that shows us that we have actually worship of ourselves, right? Which isn't a bad thing, by the way. It's okay to take care of the temple and, and God wants to bless us and all that. But, but there are other things that he would like us to give our, our treasure to, the kingdom of God, to people, to, um, you know, the ways that we give here at the church and, and all that. So anyway, um, what is valuable to you, family, work, God, relationships, entertainment, profession, or possessions, security, activities, etc., and then hopefully God is in there somewhere too. Let's look at Romans 12.1 real quick. Um, do we have that? Um, Romans 12.1 says, and this brings us now into the New Testament. You can say, well, that's the Old Testament. That was Jesus. That was a wise man. It was a baby. Come on. Uh, this is Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, one word in here that's really interesting to me, I mean, already it's like, okay, the way that I really spiritually worship, and Kathy said it earlier, is we offer our lives as a living sacrifice to God. Everything, our time, talent, treasure. And I want to throw in there also, you're good, you're bad, and you're ugly. Because God doesn't all just want your good stuff. He wants all your stuff. And he wants to take the good, bad, and ugly and turn that into beautiful things as we offer it to him, our heartache. Jesus said in, in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to do stuff. I can flip it. I can take dead things and bring life into them. I can take bruised things and heal them. And I'm declaring over you the, the year of the Lord's favor. God wants to bring all those hurting elements in our life, sometimes that we, 
that we cover up and we're not sure we want to offer those to the Lord, but maybe, like Kathy said earlier, maybe that's what God wants you to offer him today. A broken part of your heart, a, a part of your past that you're just afraid to go back to and just let God release you and free you from that or whatever it is. So um, uh, our spiritual worship is offering our lives to God. And there's an interesting word in here, and Fitz, maybe you can give me an on, on-demand Greek help with this word. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God to present. And the word is a compound thing. It's parahistemi. Ish? How, do you, how would you say it? I was? I did good? Ish? Okay. <laughs> parahistemi. And we get our word parallel from the para side of it, right? Which is to come alongside the presence of something. And, and the histemi thing is to establish yourself there. To establish yourself alongside. So I want to just throw this out. When we, when we worship God, uh, I, I think I had the slide earlier. I don't know, Dean, if you're past it. But <coughs> when we praise God, we declare his greatness. When we worship God, we adjust ourselves uh, or surrender to the greatness of God. Okay? So we're, praise God. Oh, you're awesome. Oh, man, yeah, you can do great stuff. Woo, 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 woo. Worship is after the declaration and the admission that God is doing cool stuff and he's great and greatly to be praised and all that, is to align myself with that and surrender to it, okay? To present, that's what that word means. Now, um, so true worship involves the intentional offering of all that we are, our time, talent, treasure, our good, bad, and ugly, um, which is our spiritual worship of our of giving our lives to the one we value the most. So that's one of the big deals, right? On the value thing is like, okay, you look at all the other things we value and say, man, am I willing to put God above that one? That one, am I willing to let Him mess with that one? And if the question or if, if your answer is ah no, do you know what? That's okay, but it's not really okay to stay there. But the okay thing is it's okay with God because if we're honest with him, the Bible says that he will work in us to will, to give us the desire to do his pleasure, to, to will and to do. So he'll help with us with the will part, with the desire part. It's like, God, I really, man, I don't want to let go of that. Whether it's a relationship, a possession, a dream, and God might say, well, I know. Thanks for being honest. Would you let me mess with you a little bit? Like, uh, was it, which one of the girls was it that didn't like that cold water Fitz was putting on? Grayson. So, you know, Grayson didn't like being messed with. And she was being messed with in Jesus' name, right? You know, I thought of that when I thought, this is a great sermon illustration right here. Because that's the way, (laughs) that's honestly the way I am. God's anointing starts coming into my life, touching me, and I can tell it's directed in a certain way, and I don't like it, and it's uncomfortable at first, but the more I yield to the Lord and say, God, help me to be comfortable with you messing with my life in this area, because he wants to bring, he, he wants to establish his rule in our lives, that's what it means to come alongside him, and when I do that, really great stuff happens. It's not that my life becomes more constricted and confined and I shrink into being a nobody. 
It's actually that I come alive into life in a new way. There's a guy named John Webster. I think that's his name. He's a Scottish um, theologian, preacher guy. I think he died just a few years ago. But I remember uh, reading something that he wrote, and he said, the rule of God in your life, which includes his commandments, his decrees, his precepts, his testimonies, you know, all those things that, that Scripture talks about, generally and specifically, right, when he starts coming to us in a specific way, and we're like, oh, wow, you're, you're actually communicating to me, you know, is there anybody else around here, you know, and you're, and you're, you're coming at me, challenging me to, to align with you in this area of my life, to worship you in this area, and, um, uh, but, but he said all those things, the rule of God, the commands, the laws, blah, 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 are the pathway to human flourishing, isn't that beautiful? The doorway to real life, even on this earth. I mean, not. I mean, we know eternity about eternity, but in this life, and we think we're missing out when we're not yielding ourselves to God. God's like, oh man, you're settling for less. You're you're settling for pleasures that just don't even compare with what I have for you. And uh, so, anyway, going on. What happens when we worship? <clears throat> uh, Number one, whatever we worship will affect what we're becoming. We're, we're changed when we worship. 2 Corinthians 3, I think we have that. Go ahead and put that one up. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. But when one turns to the Lord, another translation says, whenever anyone turns. So anybody in the room, a whenever person? Raise your hand if you're a whenever. Or no, no, I'm sorry, a whoever. Are you whoever? Uh, or an anyone, and then whenever is when. Whenever is whenever. So whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. So God all of a sudden starts opening himself to us. The Lord is the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay? Human flourishing. It's like when you turn to him and align with him and come to him, freedom is released. And then it goes on and says, and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, from glory to glory, another translation says. So as I turn to him and look to him, it affects what I'm becoming. And the word there, transformed, is, is where we get metamorphosis. It's like caterpillar, caterpillar to butterfly stuff. We're down here living caterpillar lives, like, oh, man, life's great. I don't want to give up my caterpillar life. And God's like, you could be a butterfly. <laughs> you could be a butterfly. Why wouldn't, I mean, how many really, when you're a kid and still dream that you could fly? You know, Peter Pan, I can fly, I can fly, I can fly. We can fly, and he wants us to fly. And, and there's a neat picture here, too. Whatever I expose myself to, whenever anyone turns, whatever I expose myself to, whatever I worship will develop in my life. See, this principle goes on the other side, too. As we're giving ourselves to other things and taking our time, talent, treasure, investing them in other things, those things have bearing on what develops in our lives. So just the importance, again, of coming to God. Um, what happens when we worship? When we worship... It impacts the world around us. We don't have time to go into this too deep, but James says, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. 
And I look at it as a revolving door. When I walk in the revolving door of his presence to come before him and align my life to him, then he comes into my world and my surroundings. And there are all kinds of places through scripture that, that talk about that. So we're going to wrap up here uh, in, in just a second. Actually, let, let's just read two more scriptures. Ephesians 3. Um, actually, it's 3 verse 20 and 22. It says, now to him who is able to do far abundantly more than all we can ask or think. Be uh, according to the power of God that's wor at work in us. God wants to do above and beyond anything we can ask or think. Caterpillar, am I settling in caterpillar life or do I want to be a butterfly and fly with him? Romans 12.1 again. Let's read that again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... By the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So in just a minute, Fitz is going to come up, and we're going to uh, move into communion. And as we do that, I want us to open our treasure bags, just like the wise men came. They opened up their treasuries. And in that context, it was like they were yielding their lives to God. They weren't just peeking in there going, oh, let's see. No, don't look, Jesus. I don't want you to see what's in my bag. Uh, oh, yeah, we'll give you this. Okay, no. It was more that the idea was that he, it was opened fully. And then from that, gifts were given. And so I encourage us today, all of us, me too, as we come before the Lord's table, um, because it does say at the beginning of Romans 12 there, I appeal to you before all this worship stuff by the mercies of God present yourselves by the mercies of God. God was not willing that any of us should perish. God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus for you and for me before we even did anything. Romans 5, God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died on the cross, gave it all for us. And the, Paul, the Apostle Paul says we are actually bought with a price Therefore, our, our, our proper response to that is to give my all to the one who actually purchased, purchased me and owns me anyway so he can bring me into the life that he has for me. So as we go into this communion time, I just encourage you, open your, open your bag, your, your talent, your time, talent, treasure, your good, your bad, or your ugly, and just offer it to the Lord to say, God, here you go. And is there something in there you're asking me to give you or some things that you want me to offer to you this morning? And we'll let him have his way in our lives. Yeah, Fitz, why don't you come up and, and lead us? Thank you, Tom. Just housekeeping. What, the ushers are going to help you come forward from back to front. And the second thing I want you to know is this. Do not leave. When, go back to your chair because... These two have something really, really awesome you're going to hear. Johann Sebastian Bach, Yesu, Joy of Man's Desiring, played on phenomenally by this man on Dave Beagle on his guitar. It'll be a way for you to understand how much God values you. And that brings me to the table. You're going to hear these words when you come up here. The body of Christ, Jesus' gift of salvation, the blood of Christ new life offered freely by God. God values you and me so much that he was willing to do this, to do that. And that's what we partake in. 
the real presence of Jesus right here today with us, given to us freely, salvation offered, the body and the blood of Jesus. That's what we partake in. Let me pray, and then the ushers will send you forward. We thank you, gracious God, that before us is a feast, and the feast represents your heart, your love for us. You give it to us freely out of your love, and we get in on new life. We get in on eternity that begins right now. Thank you for your gifts. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercies. In response, we surrender. We bow down. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite the elders to come forward. Matthew and Tyler are going to join Kathy and me, and the ushers are now going to direct you. We're going to let the children come first.
All right. In just a sec, we're going to turn Dave loose here, but I just want to remind all of you, uh, we have... Uh, some little Advent booklets that, that you can um, uh, use to take your family through this, this time before Christmas. And they're available in the foyer going out. Is that right? And um, if we just only have enough for like one per family. So if you could do that, that would be awesome. And grab one of those and kind of track along with us uh, through this time. Um, also, uh, we've got some CDs here. I, but you're going to want to hear Dave. So if you like what you're hearing, you can grab one of his CDs. And the little song that we did, uh, more, is on one of those there. Um, and it's a CD of just Dave and I doing this kind of thing and just singing worship songs. Whole CD of that kind of stuff if you're into it. So anyway, uh, let's uh, let Dave send us out.
God bless you guys. Have a good Christmas. I won't see you until then. God bless you. Have a great week, too.
Is born. 